Hang on there one second. Let's go ahead and take a minute to pay the bills. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had so many questions. How do I record an episode? Where do I find background music? How do I get my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other places that you like to listen to podcasts? Where do I find advertisers? The answer to every single one of those questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing, and monetizing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and 100% ridiculously easy to use. So if you're always wanted to start a podcast, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. The following podcast has not been rated. You're listening to Fullbacks Are People Too, The Fact. And here's your host, CJ Newman. To full bags are people to the fat. No, I'm not dead. No, the show is not canceled. Yes, I've been very busy lately, and yes, I am back here with the fapt hopefully we can get this going on a weekly basis again and hopefully you guys haven't stopped listening to me so let's uh go ahead and get into things this week i got tyler Fornes back i've got the bobby the recliner qb back and uh we're gonna kick things off the right damn way so without further ado here are my buddies welcome back to the fap ladies and gentlemen it's been a while and i'm sorry that it's been so long but uh i've had a hell of a personal life going on here and i'm glad that i could be back on the fap with uh two of my favorite buddies here at the real forno how the hell are you bud oh i'm not dead so i'm feeling pretty good how about yourself i'm all right for those of you that don't know at the real forno's had some issues with health over the past couple weeks but he's in a much better place in a much better state he's better improved and hopefully he'll be back on the uh on the war path for with his minnesota vikings soon enough if you've got stomach pains friends it's probably a gangrene appendix go get it checked out yeah that's nothing to fuck around with guys go ahead and get yourself checked out it might be a kidney stone too keep that in mind i've had those those are a bitch um my other buddy over here bobby the recliner qb bobby how the hell are you i am doing much better than tyler at the moment and uh tyler i would like to officially welcome you to the no appendix club i've i also lost my appendix but uh mine was a lot less dramatic and uh many years ago so i'm glad to hear that you're doing well and glad to see that you're doing better now yeah it's 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 just good to be able to move and good to be able to do normal life things and i'm even gonna have a beer later tonight so that's uh my uh healing has progressed quite nicely well at least it wasn't your liver that got taken out that's that's one thing that oh my god please no (laughs) knock on wood real quick all right so um guys uh, i don't know if you know this but uh since the last time i've had a podcast a lot of shits happened um we've had a super bowl We've had the combine, free agency started. So, um, 
I think everybody pretty much knows what happened in the Super Bowl, and I, I don't need to talk about that because it just pisses me off. But um, <laughs> let's let's go ahead and talk about some free agency stuff, man. A lot of shit happened in the past uh, week, so uh, one of the big takeaways is uh, Le'Veon Bell is signed with the New York Jets. So he got fifty two point five million over four years, uh, with a maximum of sixty one million dollars, twenty five million guaranteed. Uh, he sat out last year on the uh, second franchise tag that was applied to him. So um, was it worth it? What do you guys think, uh, Tyler? You go first, buddy. You know, uh, everybody's kind of twisting it in their own way to try and uh, get their narrative across. But quite frankly, the only thing that matters is it worth it to him. He says that he's in the best shape of his life and he's feeling great. He got more guaranteed money at signing, which is exactly what he was looking for. The Pittsburgh deal only had 20 guaranteed at signing and he got 25. He also on the back end of his deal uh, for 2021 and 2022, uh, there's a three million dollar bonus if he shows up on time to training camp. So he's going to be able to make an extra six million bucks just by showing up. And I I think it's a win for him just because he made a statement. He got more guaranteed money and he showed everybody out there that if they make a statement, it's not going to cripple them. You know, it would have been an absolute failure if he got a deal like, like I don't know, four years, twenty five million dollars. That would have been just a massive failure. But he actually got good money and he got higher guarantees than what he was being offered from Pittsburgh, who, if you don't know, they don't offer guarantees past the first year. And yeah, he seems to be happy with the Jets. And quite frankly, that that's all that matters. You know, I agree. Yeah, I agree a lot with uh, with a lot of what you said there, Tyler. Uh, I do think that, you know, as long as he is happy with it, then he made the best deal for himself. And he he seems to be happy with that decision. Also with, you know, the way that the Steelers structure their contracts um, and also just the drama and bullshit going on there. Like everybody is trying to get out of out of Pittsburgh right now. So that's another positive. And, you know, I think his market was hurt by, you know, the Jets being apparently the only team in it. Um, and so that did hurt his overall value, but I think he'll get a year on the back end of his career, you know, because of this, especially when, uh, you know, he took that entire year off without any pounding that he would have gotten as a running back. And he didn't do it like most guys when they take a year off. It's because of an injury. He didn't do that. He was able to go ahead and work out, stay in shape. And while he didn't get as much as we were all kind of thinking, I, uh, I do think that there's another benefit to uh, being with the Jets, and that's being in the New York market. The uh, the New York market's the number one market out there. Yeah, there's a lot of star power there, but we've seen Bell. He knows how to play social media. He knows how to get himself out there. So I think he could – if he plays this right, it seems he is. I think he can make a lot of money in endorsements and, and the jets, you know, a lot of times big free agency moves don't always work out, but you know, they're, they're definitely making some waves and we'll see if they can, uh, if they can carry this momentum, I guess you could say from free agency and, and carry that into winning games. I think that the personality is a huge fit for the New York Jets as far as the media market is concerned. I think Le'Veon Bell would be a great fit as far as talking to the media in general uh, out in New York. He's definitely got the personality for it as far as like on Twitter, as far as making his raps and whatnot. He knows how to talk to the people. He knows how to relate to people. So I think it's going to be a huge fit when it comes to that concern as well. What do you guys think about that? 
Yeah, I agree with that. He is very media savvy. <clears throat> like I was saying, he knows social media. He's also a you know budding or, or wannabe rap rapper, so mm-hmm. he, he knows that. He's got that out there, and he's always done. Uh, you know, I've always thought he's made a good impression. Yeah, he had the one time where he was pulled over and said, yeah, he smoked weed like four hours earlier, but he never got, you know, busted enough to be suspended for games with the NFL. He's really never had any um, any negative past, in my opinion, that I can think of at least, really you know, detrimental to him, to his image and whatnot. And unlike A.B. with Mr. Big Chest and how he handled getting out of Pittsburgh, Label, while some people were still upset that he took the entire year off, he didn't do anything outside of, of what he could, you know, technically do under the contract, what he had his rights to do, which technically I guess he wasn't under, was not under contract because he never signed it. So, you know, he, to my, in my opinion, he played it in a much more mature and a much more endearing way. And so that will help him out with you know, everything from jersey sales to media appearances to fans and, and everything else that comes with it, endorsements. Couldn't agree more, man. Uh, Tyler, when you hear Le'Veon Bell's contract and you hear everything that comes along with it, do you feel that um, it was enough? Do you you think that – I understand that you had said earlier that uh, it wasn't a catastrophic failure, but do do you honestly feel that 52.5 for a guy who led the team in overall scrimmage yards, uh, yards from scrimmage, I should say, uh, is enough for that type of running back for a transcendent talent? It really depends on uh, how you view the position because like a guy like Marlon Max making a shade under 500 grand this next year and he is going to put up some good production. You know, are you, you know, it's, it's uh, one of those things where uh, Bell probably did deserve more money than he got, but there's kind of a lot of wrinkles to it. Uh, when you look across the league, there are a lot of teams uh, that don't pay running backs big time money. Uh, just look at the Colts, who many thought were a prime suitor for Le'Veon Bell. They've got three running backs that are all making five hundred thousand dollars or less over the the course of the next uh, next season. And like the difference that Marlon Mack and Le'Veon Bell are going to have on the field, at like statistics wise, is it can be worth thirteen million dollars. Uh, to have Bell, um, some uh, teams are going to say no. Uh, I think his uh, stock was also hurt by what happened with Todd Gurley. Uh, Gurley coming out and the, them saying that he's got arthritis in the knee where he had a, a clean ACL tear in college. And Bell has had multiple injuries to his knees, uh, one being an ACL and then a badly uh, hurt MCL when Vontez Burfecht cheap shot at him. Uh there is a lot of elements to that. And I think if uh, the girly uh, info didn't come out, Bell probably gets 15 million and it's unfortunate for him, but um, I'm happy that he got the guarantees. He's happy. And it what, and him sitting out wasn't catastrophic. It wasn't catastrophic. And honestly, he, I was honestly hoping that he would transcend the uh, running back market because it used to be where running backs were the second highest paid people on the team, quarterbacks being the first, obviously. I mean, th- the last one I could think of, the last two I could think of that got uh, decent contracts were Ray Rice and Adrian Peterson, but we have not seen contracts like that in a long time. So um, I'm just hoping that it'll happen eventually because running backs really any besides the offensive line and the defensive lineman, who else gets like really drug into the ground other than running backs? 
I you you could make a case for linebackers because of the way they take on guards in the run game and the way they're kind of thrown around at that second level. Um, but no, uh, you're right. And I, I think that everything comes back around kind of like fashion. You see it like nowadays, like you got hipsters wearing like plaid shirts that were super popular and Kurt Cobain brought them around in the grunge era of the nineties. Uh, like everything comes back around. So just in the NFL power running game, just like your Ravens are doing CJ, it's going to come back around. It will take some time, but in time it's going to come back and be more popular. And I think that's when we see running backs get those bigger deals. And I think it's already started because you got Todd Gurley, got the four years, 60 million bells got four years, 52 and a half. I mean, that's not chump change not and i'm glad that he was able to get the money that he was able to get um still hoping he can get more but hey it's still a lot of freaking money he's going to take a lot of that home as far as net pay at the end of the day so he's going to be setting up his family for life and possibly his kids after that so um well i mean you know we we talked about you know and and tyler you mentioned it you know it's cyclical the way the running back market is and and you are seeing kind of resurgence in it even though i do think that uh you know bell's probably the only person because he was a true free agent that had the opportunity to really you know raise that bar highly so i think that you're going to see the market kind of stagnate in the uh, in the range that it's in between the bell and the Gurley deal you know, one thing I think people are forgetting is that you know the Jets also have a young franchise co- uh, quarterback in Sam Darnold, and they're loading up obviously. And Bell was widely considered in Pittsburgh, even when AB, Mr. Big Chest, was there at his prime. They still said that Bell was the best receiver, pure receiver on that team most of the time because he's got such great hands. I've I've seen multiple times where people said if he wanted to drop down weight a little bit more, you know to 210, 215, or whatever, he could line up as a wide receiver primarily because he's that good with routes. His hands are that good and whatnot. <clears throat> so he brings a lot of value in uh, being a comfort zone and being a, a fallback or a dump off option always from uh, from the quarterback's perspective and what the Jets are really trying to develop with him as their franchise quarter, quarterback. Tyler, I did, you mentioned at one point that. Um, in the years three and four of his deal, he gets $3 million for showing up on time at training camp. And I think that's actually a bad thing because that's if he's even on the team uh, by year three. If he is on the team still in year three, if they don't you know kind of if he has an injury or if he's just ineffective or whatever, you know they'll keep him through the first two years. But that $3 million for showing up on training camp, A, that kind of uh, takes away and restricts his ability to hold out. And then also it makes the decision to either for the Jets to make to cut him or to keep him makes that first major payment being at training camp. They can keep him on the roster all the way until the eve of training camp and then cut him. And he doesn't get that $3 million or anything else. And by then, no team's going to sign him to a big deal or any kind of deal with any kind of money, most likely at that point, uh, if they're even thinking about it. So I think that ends up being, you know, a negative for him. You know, I, uh, I'm going to counter with this, Bobby. I think one of the things that we're missing here is even though you're right about those training camp bonuses and the team being able to cut him, but when does his uh, money become fully guaranteed? What day of the league year? 
Because if it's fully vested on like the third day of the league year, which is pretty standard for these deals, well, then it it doesn't really matter because they're not going to be able to cut him without massive penalty. You know, the like let's say that uh, salary is twelve million dollars. If it's fully vested, they're not going to dump twelve million dollars on the cap just to avoid paying him an extra three. But is it the contract where the only there's only guaranteed money in the first two years? Okay, so the way these contracts are set up is it's fully guaranteed. No matter what happens, you're getting the money, okay? And then with the, the rest of the deal, all the money will guarantee on specific days. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek Carr, I remember he had a clause in his contract last year where his uh, money fully guaranteed for the next year, like three days after the Super Bowl, which was very odd. Um, otherwise, for each specific season after what is fully guaranteed at signing, these these next year salaries will fully vest like at certain points in the league year, whether it's one day, three days, five days, and then that number becomes fully guaranteed. But at signing, it's not going to be fully guaranteed. Does that make sense? Yeah, and but that's but there's only fully guaranteed money in the first two years. The way that I understand it, and we all, we haven't seen a full breakdown of it, but the way I understand it is that three million dollars is the first guaranteed money of that year, and it's not uh, it doesn't hit their cap. It doesn't until they have to actually pay it on the day of the way their training camp starts. It's not one of those, you know, in the first couple of days of the league year, uh, one way or the other, so they can be there for free agency. This is going to be how the Cowboys are able to sit on Des Bryant. They're able to sit on Des Bryant all the way until, what, late May before they, they cut him, knowing that his money wasn't guaranteed until – I forget when, but it was further on down the road, and that's why he wasn't able to get anything in free agency or, or get anything until the Saints, you know, signed him in week fifteen or whatever, because he wasn't on the market when uh, when the money was flowing. Well, then I guess that would be on him and his agent for setting up that contract structure poorly, <clears throat> because uh, the way, like, uh, let's talk about Everson Griffin. He just restructured his deal today. Um, his cap number would have been. $11.4 million with total cash out of $10.9 million. And that that would have been fully guaranteed today at 3 Central unless they either restructured it or cut it. Okay? So at 3 o'clock, uh, that number becomes fully guaranteed and Everson Griffin is going to receive that money. But if they were to cut him at two fifty nine, dollars Griffin doesn't get a dime. So the way that Des Bryant's contract was set up was that money must have fully vested way later in the process, which is all on his agent for negotiating yeah. a poor contract. Yeah, and that's how that's how I understand that Bell's years three and four are. The first money is not guaranteed until that, that training camp. Uh, so wait, wait, hold on. Are sure. you talking the bonus or are you talking his yearly salary? His yearly salary for years three and four is only guarantees in the first two years. After the first two years, I don't think he has anything that's fully guaranteed. Yeah, he has nothing that's fully guaranteed. Uh, His salary doesn't become fully vested until the first day of the um, not official year, but the first day of the season. So uh, if he makes it past the wait, 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 it doesn't become uh, official fully guaranteed till the first day of the season. Yeah. Yes, his actual salary. That's he what got I was trying to tell you. <laughs> That's bad. That's, That's what I was really trying to bad. tell you. That wasn't a benefit. You're saying that was a good thing. No, 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 no. I, I'm saying that if 
like the the way the three million dollar bonus was set up, if they would have set it up like normal contracts and is it would have fully vested within the first five days of the league year, that's great for Bell. The fact that it doesn't fully vest until the beginning of the season, he just got bent over and he got a light pole shoved up his ass. That's yeah. bad. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah, his first two years are good. Yeah, the first God. two years are great. Um, honestly, at that point, mm-hmm. it's restructuring time, or it's it's cut nut cutting and getting on to the next team. Honestly, it's it's a paper two year contract, is what it sounds like to me. Oofta. Yeah, exactly. And if he does perform really well those first two years, it gives the Jets an option to keep him as late as they want to. Um, and uh, you know if they have a better option or they find somebody late in the draft and all that goes, and then they can keep him. And by then, when the cap going up the way it's going to continue to go up, <clears throat> that number's going to be really, really small, especially compared to what everybody else is getting. Yeah, so um, yeah, Le'Veon Bell got a lot of guaranteed money for the first two seasons. Did anybody happen to see the contract structure for C.J. Mosley, speaking of the Jets? No, um, I don't think they've released the full contract structure for Mosley yet. But I would I would be willing to guess that they front loaded a lot of that signing bonus because they got the cap now and they're going to have to pay Darnold down the road. That's the truth. Uh, they haven't released anything yet. They uh, I don't even know how many years he got, but I know we got a lot of pissed off people in Baltimore right now. Yeah, Eric DaCosta is it seems like he's uh, shaping the team in his own image. Like I can understand, you know, cutting ties with Weddle. Weddle's a great player. He's a great locker room guy, but he's 34. It was time to move on. He's getting up there. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, losing um, well, Darius Smith before you and before you move Moses. on to Darius and the rest of the guys, let me speak on Eric Weddle for a minute. I really like Eric Weddle. Let me start with by saying that, but um, his past two seasons that he's been here in Baltimore uh, to say that the pro bowl is a glorified uh, popularity contest is an understatement because his name is definitely one of those that is very popular and in people's mouths gets in on reputation. Yes, exactly. He is. He couldn't cover a cat turd in a litter box for the past two years. So Landon Collins and coverage. It, no, 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 no. Landon Collins is more effective than Weddle was. But Weddle's got that name recognition. He's a media darling. Everybody loves him from fans and whatnot. You know, well, and he brings a value with his his knowledge and his smarts. He's not as you know, he's lost a couple steps. He's a great but leader. he can still help a lot of people out. He can still be that leader too and get people in place and all that. Yeah, he was actually um I don't know if you guys know this, but they actually took the and for those of you that don't know out there on the defense and on the offense, there's typically one person who has what is called the green dot on the back of their helmet. That means that they get the microphone to their uh, respective coordinator or whoever's on the sideline. Uh, It was CJ Mosley last year who had the green dot on his helmet, but after he got injured for a game or two, they actually put the green dot helmet on Eric Weddle, who was doing all the communications. And then after CJ Mosley returned, Eric was still the guy on the defense who was communicating all the defensive plays from the defensive coordinator to the whole team. So um, there was a lot of leadership there. There was a lot of trust that the team actually uh, got better under Eric Weddle as the guy who was the uh, green dot, so to speak. But um, 
still, he wasn't performing on his end what I think that he should for the money he was being paid. Well, yeah. And, and guys, I, I've got to jump in really quickly. I know this is off topic of what we're even discussing right now, but I feel like we're bearing the lead here because I just not thought about this. We haven't even talked about the biggest story lately, the most recent big story in the NFL, which is OBJ going to Cleveland where we're going to see what, uh, you know, man crush Baker Mayfield can do with this whole slew of weapons and goddamn Freddie Kitchens is just going to kill it now. I mean, I think we could be looking at the next Belichick with the way they're loading up that roster for Freddie. There's no way he can fail. Now, CJ, I know you hate, hate it. It's in your division. I respect that. Fucking Browns are winning the Super Bowl this year. Oh, and I'm man. getting super hot takey, and I don't give a flying oh, fuck. No. The Browns are winning the Super Bowl this year, and I love Tom Brady, and I love what the Patriots are doing. But they were a blown call away from losing that AFC title game to Jacksonville. And I think Cleveland is a team that can be able to do it. That defensive line, Baker's got a year under his belt. He already had a phenomenal rookie year. He's got weapons beyond belief. Like, we're talking Rashad Higgins, a guy who he had a great rapport with last year. He's going to be wide receiver four. So they're super deep. You got OBJ who can take it to the house from anywhere. And Joku Joku made strides. Uh, Who knows what's going on with Kareem Hunt, but if he plays at all next year, oh my gosh, that team is scary. They've got a front office structure. That is solid. They're making good decisions. Yes, it has them stay out of it. Yeah, oh, yep. And it well, it seems like they are because look at all this. Dorsey's going for it. They've they're doing a really good job building this roster. And I'm super hot takey, and I have them winning the Super Bowl. I don't even think it's a hot take because I'm going all in with the Browns, too. I'm hoping they can handle the expectations and handle the pressure. And I, I think they can because, if anything, I believe that the guys like a Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield, <clears throat> Odell Beckham, those guys are going to thrive on that tension. They're going to thrive on that pressure, and they're going to love They're going to eat it up. If they can keep it light, if they can keep that – uh, that locker room uh, together and, and they can just stay, you know, light and not get, you know, too stiff or too heavy. Now, I, they have got me, especially when I'm not a big fan of <clears throat> Jerry Jones for reasons even outside of football. I think that the Browns are a team and they've almost got me willing to trade in all my Cowboys stuff for uh, the latest in the Browns gear because they are, yeah, they're my new, you know, second favorite team right now and very welcome up to number one. Well, honestly, the Cleveland Browns, let's just face facts. They were one ill-conceived throw away from sweeping the Ravens this past season. And I don't know if you guys got to catch that uh, late game uh, for the Browns versus the Ravens, but uh, if Baker Mayfield didn't throw that final interception uh, in in garbage, not in garbage time, in crunch time, it would have been the Browns sweeping the Ravens and the Ravens wouldn't have even made it to the playoffs. And that wasn't really even a bad throw by Mayfield. Hmm. All the credit in the world to CJ Mosley for making that interception. That was an amazing interception. And uh, that's why they always called him half man and half amazing here in Baltimore. And we're going to miss him. But, uh, and 
Well, and let's be real. The Browns were one incompetent motherfucking head coach away from being in the playoffs last year for the first however many games of the season. And I think they can make a run. I think that a tandem or a group like the Baker Mayfield and OBJ and Landry, I think they can just do amazing things, especially if they get into the playoffs. And about Kareem Hunt, I'm going to go ahead and say here now, and I might tweet it just so I can make sure I can reference it even easier, that uh, Kareem Hunt, if the Browns are going hot, they're doing well, they suffer an injury at the running back position or need some, you know, whatever, some juice there, or they're just on a run anyways, I guarantee you that Kareem Hunt will get reinstated sooner rather than later to make sure that uh, he can be part of that. We've seen the NFL changing the way they handle a lot of the players, mostly around – you know, recreational drug use or drug use, but also I think they're just stepping away from that heavy handed discipline and they're done making a statement like they've done with the Patriots, with the Saints, with Zeke Elliott, you know, and so on. See, the, the one thing that really intrigues me about the whole Kareem Hunt case is uh, the definition itself of domestic violence. Uh, domestic violence itself is defined by um, like a, a couple violence against your significant other. So if uh, like Bobby, if if you and your wife would get into a scuffle and it got physical, that would be considered domestic violence. If I got into a scuffle with your wife, that's just assault and battery that by the way, the law defines it. So Kareem hunt with this woman had no relationship uh, to my knowledge, other than being at the same party. So they were actually just in the hotel. Yeah. So the way the NFL, the way the NFL is going to define this, they could easily define it not as domestic violence, um, overrule uh, what the uh, six game baseline is, and they can impose their own punishment because technically it's not domestic violence. But and that that's but, an, that, it's an intriguing uh, except little piece. except I think you you're missing part of the. Uh, part of the rule or the way it's written, which is domestic violence and or whatever violence against women. They specifically point out in there not only domestic violence, but violence against women as one of the things that triggers that baseline six game suspension. And I'm I'm not 100 percent on this. I'll try and look it up real quick. I also think it's um, a certain type of violence or, or whatnot will also trigger that. It's, I think it's a, a certain level of, you know, whatever they want to call it, but it's a baseline, but it's also arbitrary at the same time. Oh well, yeah. I mean, the NFL plays by its own rules. They're, they have no consistency and they never have with any of their uh, rules or, or, you know, the way they apply them or, or punish teams, owners, players, you know, whatever. Yeah, just ask Josh Brown about the arbitrariness of that. I mean, and also ask Ray Rice. I mean, you can go from having one game or you can be indefinitely suspended. I mean, who freaking knows in the NFL nowadays? Ask and that's, Justin that's, Blackman. Yeah, oh, that, that specifically is just because the NFL uh, doesn't want to keep players off the field and then uh, they get huge public backlash and then they overcorrect themselves. Yeah. Where in reality, they, they should just be doing the right thing the first time, which they just don't know how to do. Yeah, I mean, look at Justin Blackman. 
what the number four overall pick and before the NFL started to have this kind of change of heart and realizing that I know Justin Blackman had other issues too. However, he was essentially banished from the league forever for smoking weed. Number four overall pick. Well, I'll say this in the NFL's defense, the whole Blackman thing, he was a multiple time offender for DUIs as well. So it wasn't like he was just a one time offense, but I understand what you're saying. It, it wasn't fair to him, but it wasn't like he uh, did himself any favors. No, I mean, he definitely did. And he's actually from uh, the Dallas area or. OK, I know that his drug dealer is in the Dallas area because I know people that are friends with them, with her, actually, and uh, talked to her uh, multiple times. So I know that he had a lot of other baggage going on or you know, I think one of the biggest problems the NFL has when they discipline these guys, whether it's, you know, like the Randy Gregory here in, in Dallas that we've seen, uh, Josh Gordon, <clears throat> Martavius Bryant, I think that taking them and banning them from the team facility and being able to work out and have that family atmosphere, that camaraderie that they get with the other teammates and their coaches that can hold them accountable. I think that is a huge detriment. And I think that part of the league's punishment when they do those, if they are going to continue to do these, is to not take away their support system. Don't take away their quote-unquote family, as they consider it a lot of times, but definitely their friends and the closest uh, and, and most interacted with relationships of anybody in their life, most likely. Yeah, um, I, I I hear you when it comes to that. Um, Justin Blackman did, really did himself in, though, as as Tyler had said, but definitely taking away a person's lifeline because when when you play in the NFL, you have a brotherhood, you have a, a certain amount of. Uh, of a relationship with all of your friends. And honestly, that's all some people have when it comes to the NFL is that brotherhood, because some of those people that are out there don't have parents or they did, and they they no longer associate with them. All they have is a little brother and sister there. Some of these people are parents to their own uh, brothers and sisters. So they need that, the, the players and the uh, relationship of the team around them in order to keep themselves out of trouble, really. Oh, I mean, yeah, but does anybody remember Leonard Little? Who? Yeah, so he was. Oh the yeah, Leonard Little. I remember him. Rams defensive end uh, <clears throat> back in the late nineties or whatever, and he was convicted of. I forget what the actual charge was, but basically he left a party drunk, and maybe in the drive-through, a woman and her kids. He ran into them and then like ran over the woman, killed her basically. <clears throat> Ended up getting uh, probation, I think. You know, you know how powerful rich people get off or whatever. And uh, he was given that, and I don't know if he ever been served a suspension or only was suspended until his trial was over with. So the NFL has changed got, a lot. I think he got three to four games after the trial was over. That my yeah, whatever it was, it was next to nothing for killing a lady in front of her two kids. Well, the Ray Lewis situation, whether he actually did it or didn't. Nowadays, that shit wouldn't fly. He would have been cut from the team. He would have uh, been indefinitely suspended, blah, blah, blah. Probably would have been blackballed from the league. He probably uh, got another chance to this talent. I don't I don't think he would have been cut. I think he would have been put on the exempt list because now. Yeah, Ray Lewis is a generational Hall of Fame player where if it were, I don't know, uh, we'll go Eric Kendricks with the Vikings. 
good player. You could probably say he's a top 10 middle linebacker. That's a more likely cut candidate than Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis was the best middle linebacker to ever step on the field. Fight. Oh, we can we can have an argument about this, but he's definitely in a top five conversation, no question. Yeah. Yeah, he's up there. I'm glad he got in the can two years ago. Great oh, transcendent player. Absolutely. Highly recommend his book if you haven't read it, by the way. He is an autobiography. I, I keep it over. God damn it. I'm going to silence my cell phone. So unprofessional. You know, for somebody who runs this podcast, it's kind of ridiculous that your phone goes off. <laughs> well, hey, this is not the house phone this time. It's That's almost fine. as bad as not knowing who an NFL head coach is or offensive coordinator like Freddie Kitchens. Freddie goddamn Kitchens. I am so sick of his shit. And you know what? He's going to whip my team's ass this year, but I'll know who his name is after he's done whipping my ass. How about that? There you and go. So the, I hope the NFL changes their rules about the number of primetime games a team can get so the Browns will get more than the five because uh, I might not get them very often down here in Dallas, and I want to see every – damn Browns game. Yeah, but at the same time, Bobby, when we uh, break that rule for the first time, then the whole nation's going to get like uh, like the 6-6 six and six Cowboys versus the 3-8 and six, uh, eight Washington team. And as much as I know you enjoy that rival and you enjoy your squad, America doesn't want to see that matchup. And that's no, what when, worries me about that. When, they, when the Cowboys, when my Cowboys suck, <clears throat> you know, at least every other year, um, yeah, I get pissed off at that too. There's a lot of times I'm going seriously. I don't want to watch this, you know, shitty losing record or barely 500 record Cowboys team versus, like you said, Washington, which is typically a shitty team, or Eli Manning led Giants. Uh, you know, the uh, Arizona Cardinals. I don't. Get, I'd much rather watch the other games because I want you know good game entertainment value between you know competitive teams or competing teams. You know, even though the Cowboys are my team. I hear that. And whenever the Ravens are bad like that, I pray to get flexed out of those type of positions, especially if we're facing like the Steelers or the Patriots. I don't want to get my ass kicked on national television. Throw me on CBS at one o'clock. See, I don't care as a Vikings fan if we get our asses kicked because then it just brings everybody down to earth and they shut up. Quite frankly, we're just used to it. Kirk Cousins. Uh, God damn it. I am not going to rant about Kirk Cousins. Mario already pisses me off enough about Kirk. I'm telling you, wait till year two. The is I'll go ahead and defend you, Tyler. I know you've been through some health issues recently, so I don't want to get your blood pressure too high. But I believe that the Vikings from you know losing Sperano before the season, that was a blow that nobody really talks about very much. And I think that played a bigger part than anything else. Plus the Everson Griffin issue that happened. Uh, yeah, it received a lot of attention for a couple of days and then it went you know, like our 24 hour news cycle. It goes away. <clears throat> they uh, they had a lot of, of issues they had to deal with last year. I didn't really just show up necessarily on the field. Plus cousins being, you know, in a new offense and learn a new system. <clears throat> we all know what happened with Filippo. He, you know, got himself fired trying to give himself a head coaching job instead of playing to the strengths of his, of his players as a team. And so I think they're a sleeper this year. My biggest issue with them is their depth. 
they, you know, I almost think they should have let some of these guys go that they signed or the bigger names that they kept and maybe gone for more depth because I feel like they're still just an injury or two even away um, or a suspension or two away from, you know, being nothing because they seem like they're so top loaded. But I do think they're a sleeper team and, and to watch out for them. I'll say this much. The Vikings under Mike Zimmer in even numbered years have not finished better than eight and eight. The Vikings in odd number years were eleven and five, and that was the Blair Walsh, and then thirteen and three, and then that was the the choke in Philadelphia. So it just basically bike progression. If you want to say that they they keep getting better every year, the Vikings are winning the Super Bowl. Do I think they're going to win the Super Bowl? Eh, maybe. But uh, as far as your maybe. comments on on the top heavy. The one thing that the Vikings have done a really, really good job of is uh, getting late-round guys to produce, especially on the defensive line. Uh, Everson Griffin was a four. Daniil Hunter was a three. Linval was a free agent that nobody talked about when he signed. Uh, And then a lot of these guys are late-round picks or uh, guys that, that we find in free agency. We had Holton Hill who started a handful of games this past year because of injury. Undrafted free agent. We've got Eric Wilson who started games at linebacker and filled in admirably when Kendricks and Barr were hurt. Undrafted free agent. They do a really good job finding these guys. But the biggest thing is they keep them. The continuity is there. Ten of the 11 starters are returning on defense. And those guys have all been there for four years. God bless Stefan get Diggs. That's all I got to say. Maryland's own Stefan Diggs. Oh, we love Diggs. Uh, I have a wall dedicated to Stefan Diggs in my house. But the fact that there's so much continuity on that defense and a lot of the backups have been there for a while, too. You've got defensive end Stephen Weatherly, seventh round pick 2015. He's coming back like there's so much continuity. They know this uh, uh, defense inside and out. I'm not so worried on the defensive end if we get injuries. On the offensive end, if uh, Diggs or Thielen go down, I'm a little worried based on how the running game goes. If the running game looks great, I'm not worried at all. Or if you lose one of your offensive linemen, like you no know, Rimmers or Reef or whoever the hell they are now, yeah, <clears> that, that to me has been trash. y'all's issue. And if you don't have the good offensive or good enough offensive line, then that goes ahead and negates you know, any uh, any benefit that you'd get from the Cousins and uh, Dalvin Cook, Diggs, Thielen, and those guys. And that's where <clears throat> I'm not sure if y'all have done enough to address the depth there. Oh, that's fair. But at the same time, we did take a shit offensive line to the NFC title game two years ago. I think uh, with the addition of Gary Kubiak and Rick Dennison and bring in a true zone blocking scheme, which doesn't necessarily need great offensive linemen, just good enough ones. I think we're going to be okay. As a guy who has been in a uh, or who's seen the Gary Kubiak offensive scheme, the zone blocking, I can tell you firsthand, you're in good hands. That zone blocking scheme of Gary Kubiak's is the best damn scheme I've ever seen in Baltimore. Well, and- I mean, it also did win uh, Mike Shanahan multiple Super Bowls. It Just also won, it won himself a Super Bowl. Shit. Yeah. Yep, I was going to say, um, I'd forgotten that that Kubiak was there. 
And with his own blocking scheme that, like I said, won Denver Super Bowls and <clears throat> did well when he's in Houston and everywhere else he's been, uh, that's typically a system that if they let him do his thing, he can plug and play any number of offensive linemen into that system. And you don't really need to have, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't need to necessarily have a, the greater or high priced ones because <clears throat> his scheme is, I don't know, the way it's taught is just on a different level. Exactly. His scheme is not dependent on talent. It's dependent on uh, knowing your role, being there, doing the right things, and continuity. And if you're able to do that, like if you uh, take a look back at those uh, offensive lines that they had in Denver uh, when they won those Super Bowls, the best guy on those offensive line was Mark Schlereth. And he was good. But there was nobody on those offensive lines that was even close to sniffing Hall of Fames. Like we're not talking like like five, six, seven Pro Bowl appearances. They were good players, did their job, and they won Super Bowls. Schlereth was a better guard than he was an analyst. I'll say that much. Oh, hey. absolutely. Schlereth was an awesome guard. Have you all seen the the breaking news as of about uh, twenty minutes ago? Apparently, no. <laughs> Go ahead. That Joe Montana was named by William Singer in that big college admissions scandal as a uh, client that he um, uh, was a uh, one of his bad clients. One of the clients where they paid him money and he got his kids into the college of their choice. Apparently, Joe Montana has denied the wrongdoing in it and said that, <clears throat> and I quote, Mr. Singer's company provided nothing more than minimal consulting services to our family, like so many other families, with the college application process. Montana wrote on Twitter, Twitter, fortunately, our kids were able to pick from a number of schools to attend due to their hard work and their merits. Thanks. And he does have two sons, both of whom played college football and two daughters. So now we have a little bit of real world sliding, sliding into the football world. And uh, this, this upsets me so much because I had such a huge crush on Aunt Becky for so many years. But that's beside the point. Montana. It was everywhere you look. Yeah, Aunt Becky's hot. She still is. Yeah. Uh, just like, there's there's no doubt about it. Oh, yes, she is. Pretty I'll tell sure ya. I, um, never mind. When I was, yeah, I was, yeah you got, yeah. Uncle yeah. Jesse when is a lucky younger, guy. Uncle Jesse's Yes, he was. <laughs> I dreamt of being Uncle Jesse many times, probably. Ah, oh, goddammit. So that is uh, interesting news, to say the least. Um, I've always liked Joe Montana. I thought that, honestly, he's definitely top five, if not one of the best as far as all-time quarterbacks. I That would really piss me off if it was pretty true um, as far as these scandals are concerned. I, I really hope they aren't. Um, I well, don't know. With the the amount of money that I've read about changing hands to get your kids into a, you know, that cause their choice or whatever, <clears throat> it finally explains that uh, the choice to wear and, and I guess even promote Skechers now. Hey, hey, hey. So, um, yeah. I thought that was a good one, Skechers. Yeah, you're, uh, you're <laughs> fucking hilarious. Yeah. Hey, uh, Tyler, uh, your your boy Teddy Bridgewater visited the Dolphins the other day, but it looks like he's going back to the Saints. 
you know, I'm really happy for Teddy Bridgewater that one teams still value him enough to be the guy because we thought he was going to be the guy here for 15 years until that tragic knee injury. Uh, he was absolutely perfect for what we were trying to do. Um, accurate, doesn't make mistakes. You know, he didn't have the touchdown numbers, but that's not exactly on him because when you have Adrian Peterson, you're kind of force feeding him. Uh, Your hand. Yeah, exactly. Plus, the passing offense wasn't nearly what it is now. Uh, you didn't have the development of Diggs and Thielen uh, to be able to have those those powerhouse weapons. And the fact that he's uh, being fought over by teams is just so great for Teddy. We love him. And it makes me sad that he picked the Saints because I hate the Saints. And I don't want any reason to cheer for him. I even put on my Facebook uh, last year on this day that I'm glad that uh, Breeze re-signed with the Saints because I didn't want any reason to like him or any reason for uh, like yeah, him to possibly come here because that would just be awful. Damn. Hey, you know what? You, you say what you want about a lot of things, a lot of conspiracies. Uh, us Vikings fans are still pissed off about Bounty Gate and how that game Should was played be. and officiated. And that, Just we truly sense. believe, robbed us of a Super Bowl. Well, that yeah. well, was something. And, you know, I'm really happy for Bridgewater. I think it's going to be great for his overall career, being with an offensive mind like Sean Payton and also being around Drew Brees and being able to learn from him. You know, I think that's going to be ultimately best for uh, for Bridgewater in the long run. And, you know, peeling back the curtain a little bit before – uh, before we started recording, we were just talking, you know, just bullshitting for a second. And, and of course, we all talk about football because we all love football. And and Tyler was mentioning about how everybody in the Minnesota area, uh, fans love him, that he was just a great guy, just, you know, genuinely good dude, that every Minnesota fan is going to be like a fan for life, a Bridgewater type thing. And, and that did was reaffirm all the things that I don't personally know the guy, obviously, or don't really think I know anybody that knows him that personally, but it's always something that I've heard and the way that he carries himself and the way that he, you know, speaks publicly and, and was giving me that impression that he is that kind of guy. And, and that just really kind of reinforced it. And, and I just, I've always wanted to see the best for him. And I, I hope that he, he gets an opportunity and that uh, things fall right for him so he can take advantage of it. I hope so, too. I think uh, Teddy Bridgewater honestly was a pretty good quarterback. And as Tyler was alluding to, I think he was handcuffed with the situation with Adrian Peterson. I think he'd be a uh, starting caliber. Uh, if Nick Foles can be a starting caliber quarterback, then I think Teddy Bridgewater has a place in this league as a starting quarterback. Oh, absolutely. And th- there are a lot of uh, defensive minded coaches that basically just want they want a quarterback to not make mistakes. Is Teddy ever going to wow? Is Teddy going to wow you like Aaron Rodgers? No, but is Teddy capable of being a top fifteen quarterback who's going to win you football games? Who's going to be able to make those drives at the end of the game? Who's not going to turn the ball over? Yes, and that that's why he was endeared so much to the fans here in Minnesota, because albeit for if they weren't for a poor offensive line, he would have had multiple 
multiple game-winning comebacks in his last season with the Vikings. Uh, only if he wears those gloves. Keep that in mind. Oh, Teddy Two Gloves? I don't understand why he does it, but it works. And I ain't going to fight it. Right. I've never seen a quarterback who has to wear gloves. Like I, I, Everybody that I know that has played quarterback has said that they throw better without a glove on. And he's the only one I know that actually throws better with a glove on. Yeah, hey, I, different different strokes for different folks. Whatever works for him. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he did much better his pro day than he did at the combine. Yeah, considering the differences with the gloves. Well, well actually, he had <clears throat> the worst quarterback pro day ever. I thought it was the combine was his worst. No, the combine was fine. Oh, okay. I actually don't think he threw it at the combine. He had the worst pro day ever, which is why he dropped so far in the draft. Yeah, to number 32. If You guys got uh, three first-round picks that round, didn't you? No, that was uh, Barr at nine and Bridgewater 32. The okay. year before, we took Floyd at 23, Rhodes at 25, and then traded up and got Patterson at 29. How'd that Patterson one work out for you? Oh, my gosh. He would have been great if they knew how to use him. That <laughs> first season, he was one of the best playmakers in football. But then they they just wanted him to be a receiver. They were trying to make him run routes and focus only on that. Just get the be creative. Get the guy ball in space. If you do that, he's going to be great. He flashed that just getting the ball in space uh, when he was with uh, New England. Get him the ball in space. He's one of the best in football. Oh, shut the hell That's 100% on them. You're talking about, oh, they're not creative enough. You're not a Cowboys fan. Until you have Ginger Clap as your coach, I don't want to hear shit about not knowing how to use a player or not being creative enough because there's nothing more bland than a Jason Garrett or Mike McCarthy run offense. Hey, hey, Bobby, just because you're right doesn't make me wrong. Remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good hey, point. You guys didn't have to live through a couple of years of Marty Morningweg either playing Marty Ball. Oh, Marty Ball. Eight years of Garrett. Yeah, that does kind of suck. That's no, kind of like an STD. Thir- hey. 30, yeah, 30 years of Jerry Jones. Hey, I lived with Brad Childress for four years where he lucked himself into an almost Super Bowl. That guy was awful. Brian Billick. Hey, he won you a Super Bowl, and he almost won us one as our OC. It's not his fault that Ozzie Newsom just is does not have a great aptitude for finding offensive talent. And I read the um, book. My favorite books was uh, "Next Man Up," which was about the um, which was about uh, the Ravens. I think right around or one of Billick's last seasons, or whatever. <clears throat> and reading that book actually made me respect Billick a lot more. He was great as the offensive coordinator from the uh, Minnesota Vikings, but eventually at some point he started to lose the team and he actually took over the offensive play duties from uh, Fossil at some point. And that's when the offensive numbers really started to go down. It was a very stupid move on his part and he definitely lost the team over that. So uh, that's when John Harbaugh stepped in. We've only had three coaches in our entire tenure, by the way, as Baltimore Ravens. Well, I, I think that's a little unfair to judge, even though it is quite impressive to have since 1996, only three head coaches. You weren't an expansion franchise. You were like uh, kind of an expansion franchise, but not really. You came from Cleveland. Yep. Um, we didn't get an expansion draft or anything like that. Um, we didn't. Um, 
we didn't, we didn't have any first round. Uh, we, we had first round picks, but we didn't get the number one pick like every other expansion team did. So uh, it was that's just because like, you were already a franchise. Yep. It was just like a, a regular old franchise at that point. That's because you were a regular old franchise. Y'all just are just, you know, stalled from Cleveland. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, the new recipe, uh, Baltimore Browns or Cleveland Browns. Um, last topic I want to talk about here, Earl Thomas. Um, four years, $55 million, $32 million guaranteed. What do you guys think about the uh, the one-legged safety coming down to Baltimore? As a Cowboys fan, I'm pissed because I've been wanting him for a long, long time. I'm so sick and tired of the Jones family and their way of doing things. But <clears throat> I think that Baltimore, I think y'all did a great thing with it. He is still not only can he be one of the leaders and an impact guy in the locker room immediately, which we know that Baltimore thrives with those kinds of guys. And he is one of those guys and a true, you know, like I said, leader, example setter in the locker room on the field. He'll make sure everybody's in the right place. He can change a game still single-handedly or single-leggedly because of the way that he gets picks. He's in the right place at the right time. He's very instinctual. So I think that um, – well, you might have overpaid for him a little bit. Uh, I think the Ravens hopefully still know what they're doing. And I think that uh, – I think Thomas will be – I think he'll be a superstar uh, in Baltimore. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. I think it's a great signing for the Ravens. And the two broken legs, I think it's – you're going to look at it differently than you would a soft tissue injury or a knee injury. It's it's not something that's necessarily reoccurring. It's that's accidental. Like that's that's freak. So the unless they broke in yep, the fluky. exact same location, which to my knowledge they did not. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it would have made a much bigger deal. Uh, but Earl Thomas plates and screws. Yeah, Earl Thomas is a great get for your Ravens, CJ. Uh, great leader, uh, great player. Uh, the the one interesting thing is in that defense, is he going to be able to do what he did in that uh, Seattle cover three and just roam the middle of the field? Or is he going to be asked to come into the box a lot? Or what is he going to be asked to do? And I think that's going to really signify how successful he's going to be with Baltimore. Well, if he's as plug as play is plug and play as he's supposed to be, uh, mm-hmm. he's going to fit into the he cover is. two offense that we have here uh, as far as being a free roaming safety, because it's the job of uh, Tony Jefferson to come into the box as a strong safety. So I think that he'll uh, if, if you guys truly believe that uh, he's as transcendent as um, you're saying he is, then maybe he'll he'll be a pretty good fit. And lightning can't strike uh, three times. So let's see if he can keep his legs all healthy. And well, and I know that, you know, as, as you being a um, Baltimore Browns, I mean, uh, Ravens fan, <laughs> this is this is probably blasphemous to say. However, I'm going to go ahead and say, because I I truly believe it, and I'm a huge, huge fan of this other player, but I think that Earl Thomas can have the same kind of impact that Ed Reed had on y'all's defense. I think he's that smart, that intelligent of a player. He might not be – well, he's definitely not as natural returning the ball with the ball in his hands. Nobody was in that position as Reed. But I think that he is – just as big of a, you know, not only the, the, like I said, leader 
and a coach in the field, but an impact player. I think he can get interceptions at a high rate like that, especially in the Ravens, uh, especially in the Ravens defense. Um, and I think that he could have an Ed Reed like, you know, impact. Damn good point. Damn good point. So, um, I don't think he's necessarily going to be Ed Reed, but I think he's going to be uh, pretty decent so long as he stays healthy. Uh, hopefully, uh, the $32 million, uh, I believe that's mm-hmm. guaranteed over the first two years. Hopefully, that's well worth it. We're going to find out. That secondary yeah. is stacked. Got Jimmy Smith there. You got uh, Marlon uh, Humphrey. We've got Tony Jefferson. We just re-signed our slot corner. So um, it's it's looking to be a stack secondary with the loss of a lot of the uh, front Good. seven. It's, yeah. it's going to be ne- a ne- huge necessity. Hey, and you know what? The, as great as the uh, uh, Earl Thomas signing was, I, w- I want to give you guys credit. Mark Ingram in that offense is going to be so Oh, that's awesome. – I agree. That's going to be some move. power. I'm, I think that's an underrated point. move. No, oh. not enough people are talking about that. And it's very cheap too for three yes. years, $15 million. That's it? I haven't – yeah, I haven't seen a breakdown, but I don't – I think there is – and I'd have to look at the teams, but – I could probably easily name 10 teams that could have or should have paid more to get Mark Ingram. That's going to be a great uh, pass catcher. Uh, that's going to yeah. be a great pass catcher right there. I can't he, wait. He's, he's a perfect big help for Jackson. Exactly. He's going to be huge for Lamar Jackson. All right, so the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl. I think we should uh, wrap it up on that one. <laughs> they might not be to make the playoffs because the Browns are your vision. It's a good possibility. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the Browns scare the shit out of me. I'm, I'm not hey, going to lie hey. to you. You're still not the Bengals. Just remember that. True. <laughs> Hopefully we won't be in the basement like they were last year. Jesus Christ. Alrighty, guys. I think it's time to wrap this up. Uh, you guys want to come back next week and do some more shit talking with me? I'd, hey, I'd love to, man. I'm still on leave. Oh, man. Yeah. So uh, no working for you for a little while. But uh, by the way, um, before I wrap things up, I want to give a congratulations to you, man, on getting engaged. Thank you. I'll make sure oh, yeah. that your uh, your guys' invitations get lost in the mail. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. Appreciate that. Well, uh, and I'll I'll make sure that the door's fucking locked when you show up at my house in July. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking good, Bobby. I appreciate the love. Bravo. No, I I'm very excited. Um, Caitlin is actually a really big fan of the pod, so she'll appreciate the shout out. She's obviously in the room right now. Yeah, we're uh, we're looking to next. Uh, Next summer, fall, so 2020. So you got plenty of time to save up some, some cash and split an Airbnb. Yeah, man, congrats. That's okay. uh, so happy for you. Amazing thing to happen. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to, to see you all spend the uh, the rest of your lives together. I hope I didn't scare you away the rest of your lives. No, yours, as you found out, the rest of your life can be a lot shorter. So, yeah. I spent a bunch of Hopefully money on a ring. Not. I already know what I'm getting into. <laughs> Good, man. Congrats. Yeah, you'll, Thanks, awesome. you'll realize till death do you part is an actual goal. Oh, no. Till death do you part almost <laughs> meant uh, February 15th. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good for it lasting a little longer than that. Oh, man. All right, guys. Look, um, thank you very much for coming on the pod, and we'll do this again next week. And uh, till then, Faptors. Thank you for uh, tuning in and uh, much love to y'all. Awesome.